The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. The problem a lot of times in the Christian life is that, is that we try to glean from relational instruction, even in the book of Ephesians. We try to glean from the later cha- chapters of Ephesians. We try to uh, glean from what the Bible says to do. Now, the Bible says a lot of stuff for us to do, doesn't it? It says do this and do this and do that. And, and uh, boy, that, that's a mouthful. And sometimes because we're doers, because uh, we're workers, because we know how to do things and, and we can follow instructions, that sometimes we can skip the being and go right to the doing. Sometimes we, we can skip uh, the blessing and try to, if you would, we try to earn it. We try to merit it. We, we, try to, we try to get to it. We try to get God to accept us, and we try to get God to be pleased with us, and we try to get God to love us, and we're trying to get God to do all these things. If we just obey God, then we just do all this stuff. If we do, do, do everything that it says that we should do in the later chapters, then, then finally Jesus will love me. Then finally Jesus will accept me. Then finally Jesus will, will bless me. And, and boy, we can't get it more backwards uh, in the Christian life if we try to do things that way. Because I love the order that God gives, the order that he gives, because, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we forget that uh, God has an order. God has a way of doing things, and, and uh, we, cannot, uh, we cannot have a right relationship anywhere else in our life until we first have a right relationship with Christ. So if I, I can't have a right relationship with my family until my relationship with Christ is right. I can't have a right relationship with my wife or uh, with my coworkers or with the people that I have relationships until I first have a right relationship uh, with Christ. The book of Ephesians has um, six chapters. It can be divided almost uh, right in the middle, much like Romans where we hear about the doctrine of salvation before we ever hear in chapter 12 about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Before he ever says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, he's already presented the doctrine of salvation. He's, he's already saying, hey, the assumption is, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, those who have been saved. I presented the gospel. You've been saved. And now we have the ability to present our bodies. And Ephesians doesn't give us the word therefore until the end of chapter 2. And then it repeats itself over and over and over again through the rest of the book of Ephesians. In other words, you don't find a word therefore until you get to uh, chapter 2. You say, why? Because uh, the first beginning, the beginning of Ephesians, uh, tells us what the rest of Ephesians is there for. Without, without the beginning of Ephesians, we can't do any of the rest of Ephesians. With, without the uh, relationship that we have in Christ, we can't have the relationship that Christ presents in the home. Without the relationship that we have in Christ, we can't have the relationship that God presents in the world. Without the relationship uh, that we have in Christ, we can't therefore have the marriage that God wants us to have. You understand, without, without the beginning, we can't have the end. A lot of times we try to rush to the end. We want the end game. We want the win. We want, what do I, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What, what is it that I have to do? What is it that I have to be? What is it that I have to become in order to get this blessing? And we're trying to do to get the blessing. But God says, hey, listen, you're not doing to get the blessing. You're accepting what's already done, and the blessing's not in you. The blessing's in Christ. It's in Christ. And I want you to see that uh, this morning. And, and the book of Ephesians tells us that. And, and in other words, I cannot do my duties until I've first been inwardly affected by his doctrine. In the beginning of Ephesians, we have the doctrine. In the end of Ephesians, we have the duty. 
In the beginning of Ephesians, we have salvation. In the end of Ephesians, we have the practical application of that salvation. And so you understand you cannot separate. In other words, husband, you can't love your wife until you're in him. Wife, you'll never submit biblically until you're in him. Children, you'll never obey as unto the Lord until you're in him. And when I understand the blessing of being in him, the goodness of God will lead me to repentance. When I understand the blessing of what I have in Christ, what Christ is offering uh, to me that's in him, uh, I will want to serve him. I want to uh, live for him. He gives me a a new desire. When I grasp his grace, when I uh, understand my heavenly seat, that I can serve Christ with my heart. You know, if you start with outward performance in the Christian life, you end with frustrated self-righteousness. If you start with outward performance in the Christian life, you will end up with frustrated self-righteousness. In other words, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do all these things outwardly, and then later on you'll find yourself, you're frustrated because you're not doing them, they're not flowing from the heart. You're trying to outwardly, not with eye service as what? Men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord, doing the will of God from the heart. And so I just want to give you three things as we look at the blessings that we have in Him. And and I I challenge you, go back through the first 14 uh, chapters and and underline where it says, in Him, in whom, uh, in Christ. And it says it again and again and again because it's identifying. And and number one, I want to give you the source, the, the source of the blessing. The source of the blessing is the Father. Look at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Who? Who? Who's it talking about? The Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Well, that's a mouthful just in verse number 3. But the Bible talks about the source. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father, cometh down from the Father of lights, James tells us. So we understand that the Father is the source uh, of all blessings. In verse number 4, it tells us something, according as He hath what? Chosen us. He has chosen us because He has chosen us. The Bible tells us that He chose us. He chose us, but it's important for us to understand uh, what that means. You know, a lot of people run from this passage of Scripture because people have twisted it to mean and say things that it doesn't. We run from words in Scripture like elect and predestination because we're afraid what people are going to run away with or what they're going to come away with. But if we just look at the Word of God, it it tells us what this means. Notice He chose us. It says, verse 4, according as He had chosen us, chosen us what? In Him, chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should what? Be holy and without blame before Him uh, in love. He chose us. He has not chosen us to be in Him. He has chosen us that are in Him. Did you get that? He has not chosen us to be in Him. He has chosen us that are in Him. You see what he says in verse number 4? According as He has chosen us in Him. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking to Christians, number one. He's talking about those that are in Him. Those that are in Him. He has chosen us that are in Him. He's not chosen us to be in Him. He's chosen us that are in Him. Did He choose us for heaven or hell? That's a good question because that's a question that's being thrown around. That God has pre-chosen people for heaven and God has pre-chosen people for hell. Is that what the Bible's saying here? That He's chosen some for heaven and He's chosen some for hell. 
Because that's a question, again, that's being thrown around today. Has He chosen us in Him to be... How how has He chosen us? He's chosen us that are in Him to be what? To be holy and blameless before Him in love. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5 says this, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Bible, before I ever get to choosing, the Bible always presents something to me. It's called foreknowledge. In other words, foreknowledge, knowledge precedes choosing. Knowledge precedes choosing. Uh, Doesn't that work in our life? Before you make a choice, you think. There's a knowledge that comes before your choosing. In other words, the Bible always presents God's choosing with His foreknowledge. First, knowledge precedes choosing. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Foreknowledge precedes choosing. Let me give you another verse. Romans 8, 29. For whom He did foreknow, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. To predestinate to what? To be conformed the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, there's some things that we know about God. God is omnipotent, right? All-powerful. So God's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. But He's also what? He's omniscient, is He not? He's omniscient. His omnipotence does not negate His omniscience. In other words, God's knowing, God's doing, doesn't get rid of His knowing. Uh, some people talk about salvation like God made somebody get saved or God made somebody go to hell. That God is making them. That God is in his omnipotence, deciding ultimately for people whether or not they go to heaven or hell. That's when the Bible presents it at, at all. By the way, his, his omniscience, his knowing, precedes his doing. Before, before whom he did foreknow, uh, he also did pre- predestinate. Let me give you another verse. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers... But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Now, the Bible talks about Jesus being foreordained. In other words, Jesus was foreordained. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus have a choice? Did Jesus have a choice? Does the Bible tell us that Jesus chose to go to the cross? Yes, it does. It tells us that he chose to go to the cross. The Bible says he is as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, that he was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But we also know, the Bible tells us that he had a choice and he chose to go to the cross. He chose. He chose to die for us. Nobody took his life. He gave it. He offered it. He chose. It was a decision that he made. When did God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit make that decision? Before the foundation of the world. They made that decision. They chose. What did they preordain? They preordained the plan of salvation. They preordained the redemption of mankind. They pre-chose the plan. So, in other words, when man sinned, was God surprised? No, he wasn't surprised. When, when man did wrong, was God, was God shaking his boots? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? They destroyed the world, the earth that I've created. I don't understand what's going to happen. What's going to happen next? Uh, let's come up with a plan. God's not reactive. God's proactive. God doesn't react to what we do. God knows what we do. And God is proactive knowing what we will do, knowing what before, before foreknowledge, 
knowing what we will do, God's action follows his knowing. To them he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Why did he predestinate us? Because he foreknew us. Before that was formed in the womb, I knew you. And I what? I I ordained you. So what does the Bible tell us? I knew you before you. I knew you before you. Jesus uh, talked about himself being before. Jesus talked about himself being before. Didn't they get all uh, upset when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. I am. What does he say? I am. I am. I am from the beginning. I am from the beginning. In the beginning, what? God. Not in the beginning, God was created. In the beginning, God created. God pre-exists us. God pre-exists uh, the world. God pre-exists every. God is not created. God created. God is the creator. We've had some recent statements uh, from religious leaders in, in the world like, God is not a magician. God is not a creator. God, God, God didn't just, we, we're, we don't want to get this idea of God that God can just do anything. That God can do, why would we not want to have that idea of God? God can do anything. God did do everything. That God did speak the world into existence. That God did create. Without him was not anything made that was made. So, so he created all things. And by him and for him, all things are and were created, the Bible tells us. So understand that God's knowing always precedes his choosing. So the Bible talks about uh, us in, in verse number 3. In verse number 4, he says, according as he had chosen us in him. What's he choosing? He's choosing those he foreknew. He's choosing those he, he already understood. These are those that would come to Christ. And what's he choosing them for? Notice what's he choosing them for. He's saying in verse number 4 that we should be what? Holy and without blame before him in love. He, he chose us. I, I want to, you to see this in, in Ephesians 1. Just, just the bookends, okay? I want you to see the bookends of this whole thing because a lot of times these verses get ran out of context and, and I'm not going to do justice to the whole uh, doctrine this morning, but I, I want you to see this, just the bookends in the context. The first one we find in, in verse number four. He says that we should be chosen in him. Notice uh, in verse number one, faithful in Christ. And then I want you to see this in verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In Christ. So who's God talking about? God's talking about those that are in Christ. God's talking about those that are in him. God's talking to those that are in Christ, that he did foreknow. Let me ask you a question. Did God know you before? Does God know what you will do? God knowing what you will do does not take away your choice to do. God knowing what you will do does not take away your choice to do. But God knows. Doesn't he know all things? He knows all things. God cannot act apart from his knowing. He knows, he knows all things, and uh, listen, let me ask you a question. Would you do differently your life if you knew everything that you knew today? So if you knew ahead of time, you'd make different choices. You'd make different choices based on the knowledge that you have. God has that knowledge. We don't have that knowledge, but God has that knowledge. God has the knowledge of all things. So the choices that he makes are perfect choices. I can't make perfect choices because I don't have all knowledge. You can't make perfect choices because you don't have all knowledge. 
So what? Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. He shall. Who's the direction supposed to come? From God. He, he is our Lord. He's our director. He, he's our Savior. And so we understand uh, the blessings that we have are in Christ. The source is the Father. He chose, number two, not only did he choo- choose us, but he predestined us. He predestined us. Look at verse number five. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted uh, in the beloved. What did he predestine us? He predestined us to the conformance of his image. He predestined us to the praise of his glory. He predestined us uh, in, in verse number three, he, he, verse number four, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. So what is God's predestined plan to all those that are in him? That we should be like him. That we should be conformed to his image. That we should be holy. What does God predestine in the life of every Christian? The blessings of the Christian life. The blessings of the Christian life. In other words, if I'm in him, I have already been predestined the blessings that are in him. This awesome. What do I have? Because I'm in him. Am I perfect? Some of you, no, no, pastor, you're not. We know that you're not. All right, are you? Some of you, a little less hesitant to answer that question, all right? Uh, so we're not perfect. But why does the Bible call us perfect? Are, am I blame? Are you blameless when it comes to, I mean, just we look at the history of your life. Are you blameless? No, but before him, before him, you're blameless. Uh, are you righteous? No, but the Bible says you're righteous. Are you seated in heaven? No, but the Bible says you're seated in heaven. You're already seated together in heavenly places. Are, are you, should you be accepted because of your lifestyle? Should you be accepted in Christ? Should you be accepted because of all the things that you've done? No, no, no. You're not accepted because of you. You're accepted in him. You're accepted in him. What's the blessings that God's telling us? The blessings are in him. They're in him. You're predestined. You have these blessings because you're in Christ. You understand? He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him. There it is. In him. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. Supports the doctrine. God's not afraid of this. God's not afraid of this. God's telling us, hey, listen, in him we have all the fullness We have all the fullness. We have God. We have all of his fullness. We are in him. Uh, Jesus spoke uh, about this in John 15. He said, abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. You must abide in me. So what is the central relationship of the uh, life that we have? Our relationship in Christ. A relationship in Christ. So if we understand that the source, the source of all the blessings of the Christian life are in Christ, then I think what merits the question is not that did God pre-choose us, not that God predestined us to heaven or hell, not that not all those, I don't think those are the questions. The questions are answered here in the passage that he, he's given all the blessings to those that are in him. So here's the question that leaves us with. How do I get in him? Because shouldn't you come away with that passage and say, if, if this is what's in him, if, if, if being in him means if being in him means accepted, if being in him means forgiven, if being in him means justified, if being in him means redeemed, if, if being in him, hey, come on, are, are you just as if you've never sinned before God? Oh boy, Isn't that awesome? 
I didn't say, did you feel that way this morning? I, 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 I asked you, if you're in him, doesn't the Bible say that's what you are? Well, that's hard for us, performance-based, hard for us in our works, hard for us in, in what we try to do. We say, I'm not, I know I'm not perfect. I got all this guilt. I got all this shame. I've got all this stuff that I deal with because I know I'm not perfect. I know I fall short. I know all these things. But God says, this is what you are in him. And so what it should do is say to us, let me make sure that I'm in him. I want to make sure that I'm in him. The question that we should come away with is, how do I get in him? How do I get in Christ? Because if this is the blessing, how, how can I get the blessing? Now, let me tell you how you can't get the blessing. You can't get the blessing by picking up the Bible and trying to obey all the things that are in the Bible. Because if you're not in him, you won't be able to do it. If you're not in him, it doesn't matter how much you do. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church. It doesn't matter how many tracks you It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how you act. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter all the stuff you do. You're never, you're never going to get accepted by God through your own works. And get this. You never stay accepted by God by your own works. You are accepted by God if you are in him. He that hath the Son hath what? Life. Speaks of possession. Possession. Not that we possess him, but that he possesses us. He possesses us. Who, who paid for the transaction? Jesus on the cross of Calvary. What did he do? He paid for us. He bought us. He purchased us. He redeemed us. So when he did that, did we all, did all the world become in him after that? No. No. So is everyone just saved because Jesus died on the cross? No. Are there people that can't be saved? No. The truth of the matter is, is anybody who's in Christ can have all of these blessings. And get, get this. This is awesome. Because in, in, in our way of doing things, people who are better, by our respect, have more benefits after they become a member. After they become in. We have, we have more benefits. The way we do things. Not the way God does things. God doesn't say, oh, if you're this, 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 and then you become in me, then, then you're up here and everybody else is down. No, no. You have the same benefits. I have the same benefits. All of us benefit the same way if we're in Christ. We have the same benefits. Uh, the, the God, God gives us the same thing. We're in Christ. We have the same thing. So he chose us. He, he predestined us. Not only do you see the source of the blessing is the Father. We see the seat of the blessing. We see the seat of the blessing. How do I get in him? The seat of the blessing is the Son. Look at verse number 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom? Who's that talking about? Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Who shed his blood? Jesus. Jesus shed his blood. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the what? Forgiveness of sins. How do we get the forgiveness of our sins? In him? In him? We have forgiven of our sins in him. Can I ask you a question? Can you do anything to get your sins forgiven without him? No. You cannot. Can you do a lot of good stuff and, and, and do a lot of... Could you obey the work? Could you just do all the works, do all the works, 
And that's going to cancel out all your bad things that you've done. All your sins get canceled out because you've done good things. You've been a good person. Listen, you, th- you think that's not a real thing. There, there's so many people in this world right now that are living that way. You ask them how they know they're going to heaven. Well, I, I'm a good person. I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to go to church. I'm trying to do good works. I'm trying to do it. What are they trying? Trying to get God to accept them. They're trying to get God to love them. Listen, some of them learned that way of life from their childhood. Their mom and dad never loved them the way that they should love. So they were always trying to get love. They were always trying to get acceptance. They didn't get it, so they went other places to try to... You see children do that. They don't get love and acceptance at home. They try to go find it someplace else. They try to, they try to find love and acceptance. They try to find it uh, other places. They look for love in all the wrong places. Come on, how many of us did that? We look for love in the wrong places. We, tr- we try to find acceptance. We try to find love. We try, to, we try to balance out our life. We said, I've done all this bad stuff. Let me try to load it up with good, and, and hopefully my balance, hopefully I'll be even when I get to heaven. Or maybe I'll be ahead. But I can't be in the deficit. I can't have more bad than good in my life, or I won't make it. I won't make it, you see. That's sad. It's a sad way to live your life. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a propagated way to live life because man wants to keep you underneath that. Oh, just keep, you have to keep doing, you have to keep doing, you have to keep doing, you have to keep doing. What do they keep doing? Crucifying Jesus, crucifying Jesus, crucifying Jesus, crucifying Jesus. No, no, no. One time. For all. You don't have to keep crucifying Jesus. You have to keep accepting Jesus. He doesn't have to keep accepting you. Happens. One time transaction, durative. That, that's, that, that's, the, uh, that's the way the verb is conjugated. Even in our English language in the Bible, it's, it's a one-time transaction. It carries on forever. The, the nature of the life that God gives us is everlasting. The characteristic of the life is it's eternal. It's eternal. It's everlasting. It, it is forever, and it never runs out. It's forever, and it never, never loses its potency. It never loses its power. It never loses its strength. It it, it never loses its endurance. Can I say something to you? Will you lose your endurance sometimes? Will you lose your strength sometimes? But will he ever lose his strength? Will he ever lose his endurance? Will his promises ever fail? Will the nature of God ever cease? God is constant. He is the same. Jesus Christ is the seat of blessing. He's the seed of blessing. He's, he's how we get in Him. The blessing we see in Ephesians 1 aren't from the Son. Come on, get this. The blessings we see in Ephesians 1 aren't from the Son. They're in the Son. They're not from the Son. They're in the Son. In order to get the blessing, you have to be in Him. They don't come from Him. They are in Him. They come from the Father. For God so loved the world that He gave God is the giver. Every good and perfect gift, they come from the Father. He's the source, but they're seated in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Because if you're not in Him, you don't have life. He's the seat. He's the seat of blessing. If you're in Christ, you're seated together with Christ. You get that? So same, same access, same guarantees, same blessings... I'm heirs and joint heirs. I'm high priest. We're priests of God. High priest. Who's the high priest? He's the high priest. Same access, same blessings, same acknowledgement, same acceptance as Christ accepts, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So what's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, he forgives you. He forgives you. 
He's telling us the seed of the blessing is in Him. We have been placed in the Son, and His Spirit has been placed in us. We have been placed in the Son, and the Spirit of, has been placed in us. If they are in Christ, if, if they are in Christ, if the blessings are in Him, if He's the seed, how do we become in Him? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It gets to it later. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith, and that not of yourselves, is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Boast when? Before salvation? Nothing to boast in before salvation. Boast when? After salvation. Because the, 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 the thing that happens sometimes, after we get saved, we think it's our works that keeps us saved. We think it's our doing that keeps us safe. And what do we do? We rob God. We rob Christ of the glory. We rob Him of the glory because we start to come to God and we think, look at all that I've done. The reason why I'm saved, the reason why I'm still saved is because what I am doing. No, no. What I do doesn't get me saved. What I do doesn't keep me saved. Listen, you want to be enslaved? You want to be enslaved? Uh, just take work salvation and plug it in after salvation instead of before. Because people do that. People do that all the time. They get saved and they think, well, now I gotta I gotta keep it because I gotta do all my I gotta do all these work. So what are they busy themselves? They get imbalanced in life. They forget they're accepted in him. The source is now slavery instead of love. Instead of love. Let me ask you a question. Uh, if if you have all of us have earthly parents, is there anything you can do to get out from your father's relationship? Well, you could go and you could have legally, you know, legally. But the truth of the matter is, biologically, you can't change your relationship. Your biological parents will always be your biological parents. You can't change that. Behavior doesn't change that. Behavior doesn't change that because you were born into that family. Behavior doesn't change birth. Did you get that? Behavior doesn't change birth. Uh, You must be born again. If I'm born into the family of God, can I ever be unborn from the family of God? Can I be aborted? No, no, I, I, can't, I can't be, I cannot abort the life that I have in Christ. I can't do it, and he won't do it. That's, that's a wonderful thing about salvation. I can't abort it, and he won't abort it. So I don't have the ability to abort myself, and he won't abort me. Uh, He won't cut me off. I'm born again. I'm born again. I'm in the family of God. Now, we understand what happens when we sin, when we do wrong. What happens? Fellowship changes, but relationship stays the same. Relationship stays the same. I don't lose my relationship. I lose my fellowship. If if, if my son does something uh, to me later on in life and, and, and he leaves, he walks away, is he still my son? But do we have the same fellowship? No. We don't have the fellowship we should have sometimes because we're not right with God. People confuse a loss of fellowship with a loss of salvation. Here's another thing that people do. A lot of times they want to hit the reset button because they don't understand what they have in Christ. So they want to start over. They made mistakes in their Christian life, so they say, I need to get saved again. I need to get saved again. They want to hit the reset button. You don't need a reset button. You need to get saved again. You just need to get right with the Father. Prodigal didn't need to get born into his father's family again. Prodigal just needed to come, come back and repent. God, forgive me. I've done wrong. God, forgive me. And did the Lord take him back? Sure did. Did the Lord restore him? Sure did. Oh, he restored him. Boy, who did it make angry? Who did it make angry? 
the one that stayed. The one that didn't leave, the one that didn't forsake, made them angry. Made them angry. Why? Because he said, why does he have the same rights that I have? I didn't leave because the rights are not in you. They're in Christ. They're in Christ. The seat is in him. Notice, before we can have supernatural enabling to do his will, before we can have grace, uh, we must understand first our status of belonging. Verse number 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. That's our status of belonging. Come on. Accepted. How many, how many like when you swipe your card and it says approved? How many ever been in the, in the line when it said declined? Ugh. And then you get another card, declined. Uh, oh, some of you, you may, may not be able to uh, uh, associate with that yet. You don't, you don't know what that's like. Listen, how many have ever been declined? doesn't feel good. Can I tell you something? If you're in Christ, you're never declined. You're always approved. Always approved. Always accepted. Never declined. Riches in Christ. Hey, that's what we have in Christ. He's the seat of blessing. He's the seat of the blessing that we have. He noticed he redeemed us, verse 7, in whom we have what? Redemption. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. He redeemed us. Not only did he redeem us, but he revealed to us. What did he reveal to us? His will. Look at verse number 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in, in wisdom and prudence. He revealed to us. He gave us his wisdom. How many glad for God's wisdom? He gives us his wisdom. Any man, any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives it liberally to all men that would ask of him. Who's he talking to? Christians? In the practical life of Christianity, James explains that wisdom comes from God. That we need his wisdom. His, his wisdom. So he reveals to us his will. Notice verse number 9. What's his will? Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. What did he do? What's, what's the mystery of his will? Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Is that coming? Is that time coming? Is he going to gather all things together that are in, in Christ, in heaven, in earth? Everything that's in Christ. He's going to gather together all things that are in Christ. Is that coming? Is that the mystery of his will? Mystery of the church? Mystery of, uh, of Christ's second coming? It's revealed to us. It's shown to us. Notice in verse 11, in whom also, in whom, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined to what? See, predestination never talks about people. It talks about purposes. It talks about purposes, God's purposes. God's purposes. What is God trying to do? He's trying to show us his will, his purposes. He predestined a plan. He predestined his purposes to those that are in him, to those that are in Christ. What's the purpose to those that are in Christ? Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first, who first, who first trusted in Christ. Notice, we, trust, we first trusted in Christ. We first trusted in Christ. So there's a need for people to trust in Christ? Is there a need for people to repent of their sins and call on the Savior, take God at His word and trust in Christ? Who can do that? Anyone. And anyone who does that can be in Him. Who first trusted in Christ. There's a bookend on the other end. Who first trusted in Christ. Aren't you glad you trusted in Christ? 
Trust in Christ. Listen, godly sorrow works the repentance, not after the world, not after worldly sort, but after godly sort. What does it do? What does God's repentance do? He it works salvation not to be repented of. Nobody ever regretted it, and God doesn't ever take it back. Nobody ever regretted it, but God doesn't take it back. I don't care what your opinion is. Look at the Word of God. What does God's Word say? A lot of people have opinions about salvation. A lot of people have opinions about doctrine. A lot of people say, this is what I read, this is what I said. Look at the Word of God. What does God's Word say? Look at God's Word. That, that we first trusted in Christ. He redeemed us. He revealed to us the will, and He revealed to us the why, His reasons. Why? That He was going to gather together all things, that He was conformist to the image of His Son, that we should be to the praise of His glory. There's His will. That we should be to the praise of His glory in Christ. So we see the, the source of the blessing, the Father. We see the seed of the blessing, the Son. And then we see the security of the blessing, the Spirit. We see the security of the blessing, the Spirit. Look at verse number 13. In whom you also trusted, after you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This is, in verse number 13, we get it all, don't we? How does someone become in Christ? Notice, whom you also trusted... Verse 12, who first trusted in Christ, in whom, in whom, in Christ, you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. What's the word of truth? God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. After that you heard the word of truth, you trusted in Christ. You took God at his word. You heard what God said. Hey, why do we preach the cross? Why do we preach Jesus Christ crucified? Why do we preach the word? Why does God say preach the word in season, out of season, exhort, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine? Hey, what is the word of God profitable for? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished in all good works. So profitable to the Christian, but also profitable to the lost. Why? That they would hear the word of God and trust in him. They need to hear the word. And that, that's what we preach the word for. That they would hear it. They would hear the word. In whom also you trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Notice this. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ye were what? Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. What does God say? The security of blessing, the Spirit. Here's the security. Here's your eternal security. Here's why you don't lose your salvation. Here's why you, why you can't be separated from God. Here's why nobody can pluck you out of the Father's hand. Here, here's why He never leaves us or forsakes us. Because you're sealed unto what? Under the day of redemption. God doesn't say you're sealed until you mess up. God doesn't say you're sealed until you sin. God doesn't say you're sealed until you make a mistake. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. When Christ gathers all things unto Himself, you are sealed. Think about a letter. You're sealed. You sealed a letter. Why? Shows authority. Shows power. Why do you use a seal? Why did the king use a seal? To show that he sent the word. To show that he sent, he, he's, he's the one who gave the authority. He's the one that gave the power behind what's in it. What does God do? He seals the promise of salvation with his spirit. With his spirit. What did you receive after that you had believed? The spirit. The spirit. Jesus said, after I go, I'm going to send another unto you. The Spirit of God will lead you and guide you in all truth. He's going to protect you. So what does He do for us? He protects His protection for us. We're sealed. Protects the letter, the seal. What protects, listen, what protects us 
is the badge, the seal, the identity. He's saying, you're mine. You're mine. I'm sealing you. You're mine. You have my spirit. You're mine. If you have the spirit of God, you're his. You're his. And, and how long are you sealed for? Does the spirit come on us and leave us? No. The spirit never leaves us. Never leaves. That's Old Testament. Old Testament spirit would come on and then leave. Spirit would come on and leave. Spirit would come on and leave. New Testament spirit never leaves. Spirit never leaves. After Christ never leaves. After Christ he never leaves. So when Jesus enters in, he seals you. He protects you. We have his protection. We're identified. Our spirit bears witness one another that we are the children of God. That's the spirit of God. It's the sealing, his protection for us. Not only his protection for us, sealed, but look at verse number 14, which is the earnest. Earnest. What does that mean? Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession. Unto the redemption of the purchased possession. Who's the purchased possession? We. We're the purchased possession. We belong to him. You're not your own. You bought with a price. Notice the earnest. What did God give in earnest? You ever uh, hear a bank use this terminology, earnest money? What are they talking about? Down payment. Down payment. Earnest money. A lot of times what they'll ask you to do, if, if, the, if the, uh, the, the asking amount, if what you're asking for is very valuable, what you're asking for uh, has great substance, great value, they will ask you for earnest money. What are they trying to do? They're saying the down payment is going to be more. It's going to be more. I want some earnest. I want some guarantee. I want some guarantee from you that you're not going to walk away from this. Because some, when they don't value something, they walk away. But what God is saying, I'm taking away the walking away ability. I'm taking away the ability to walk away. The ability to walk away is the, the down payment given in earnest. What is the down payment given in earnest? The earnest, which is the earnest? Who is the earnest? That Holy Spirit of promise, verse 13, which is the earnest of our inheritance? Not only is he his protection for us, but his payment for us, the, the promissory note, God's down payment to the Christian, is the incredible presence of his Spirit in us. Will the Father and Son walk away from the Spirit? No. They cannot be separated. Can you separate the Spirit from the Father and Son? I and the Father are one. These three are one. So what God's saying, I'm putting what makes me one with the Spirit in you, and now you're in me, and I'm in you, and we're one. And the Father and the Son will never walk away from the Spirit. It's the promissory note. Why does He seal us? He seals us with the Spirit. How long do we keep the Spirit until the day of redemption? Aren't you glad for the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life as a Christian? It's a promissory note. It's His presence promised in the life of a Christian and His presence never removed. You know what the sad thing is going to be about the rapture when God takes His church? With the church goes the Spirit. With God's people, who has the Spirit? The two or three are gathered together. I'm in the midst. Why? You bring the Spirit. You have His Spirit. We're not ever asking God to give us His presence without you. We bring the presence of God into the house of God 
when we come together, when we gather together. Why? Because we have the Spirit. They're the Spirit. We come together. What does the Spirit do? Bears witness one of another. We're the children of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So he's a promissory. Now, hey, if the Holy Spirit moved in, you know. You know. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't, you're not in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have forgiveness of sin. If you don't have forgiveness of sin, you have the wages of death. If you have the wages of death, the Bible says you're going to perish. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Where, uh, the, Bible, the Bible says in death and hell we're cast in the lake of fire. It says second death. If we don't have the Son, we don't have life. The wrath of God abideth in us. We're condemned already because we have not believed. Because we have not believed. Why do people are condemned? Because they have not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's the only reason for condemnation. It's not pre-condemnation. God doesn't say you're pre-condemned. No, they're condemned already because they have not believed. Because they have not believed. So what do they need? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you, you become in the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand the source, the blessing of the Father, God's will of the world he gave, the seed of the blessing of the Son, the security of the blessing is the Spirit. The blessings that we have in a Christian life are in him. So here's the truth this morning. All of our life is supposed to flow from the blessings that we have in him. And if you're a Christian and you're in him, you have the same blessing. We have the same blessings. Same blessings. I don't have different blessings than you. It was same, same blessings. Same spiritual blessings. We have them in him. We have that same calling. We have that same, we have that same spirit. So, so God gives us the ability to live on this earth in the world that we're in, in him, in him. In him you have redemption through his blood. So we, we, have, we have the blessings of God. So let me tell you something. Stop trying to, stop trying to get God to love you. St- stop trying to get God to accept you. Stop trying to, stop trying to get God to approve of you. Some of you living that way, you're in slavery. If you're just in Him, you're accepted. If you're just in Him, promissory notes given, secure in Him. You know what religions try to do? You know what people try to do? You know what sometimes churches try to do? Get people to think that, hey, if I could, if I could convince you that I could take away what you have, listen, then I gave it to you. Then I gave it to you. You know what religions try to do? They try to give something to people so they can take it away from them when they want to. If Christ gave it to you, he doesn't take it away. Nobody can take it away. Nobody can snatch it from you. And so you don't live, you're not a slave, you're a son, you're a child. Why does a child obey his parents? In the Lord? For this is right? Yeah. But also because of love. Because of love they have for the father. Because of love they have for their parents. Is that not the greatest motivating factor in all the world? Love. Love, for God so loved the world. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He gave himself for Now we understand further duty, further duty, because we, we got the doctrine right. But if you try to skip to the end before you get to the beginning, if you try to, if you try to get all your other relationships straightened out, sometimes people say, let me get everything else straightened out, then I'll, then I'll come to Christ, then I'll get in him. No, no, no. If you, if you don't get in him, you can't get any of the rest of this stuff. Because all, listen, the, the gifts are not from him, they're in him. They're in Christ. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Good question. 
Have you, have you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you that believed, and are you sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? Is that a good question? Verse number 13. Have you trusted after that you heard the word of truth? So there's a time in your life where you heard the word, and then you trusted on what you heard. You, you trust on what you heard. The gospel, what's the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus Christ. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed. You believed? Did you believe on Christ? Did you, did you respond after you heard the truth? Some people talk about, why are you saved? Because I'm a good person, because I did good works, because I'm a whatever, whatever you want to say they are. They, you, say, you say you're a Baptist. Being a Baptist doesn't make anybody a Christian. Be, being a religious, whatever you say you're denominated, that doesn't make you a Christian. What makes us a Christian is we're in Christ. Are you in Christ? And there's no amount of works that you've done that have put you in Christ. Only what he's done. You heard the word, you trusted, after that you believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Say, so what happened? You trusted, you believed, Holy Spirit entered in. You, you would know that today if that is, that's true. And here's the thing. If you're not in Christ, you can be in Christ. You heard the word today. Believe. Take God at his word. Believe the gospel. The death, burial. Jesus died on the cross. You're a sinner. Christ died for you. Believe. You say, how do I do that? The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you can be saved. You can be saved. And you can have all the blessings, all the same blessings that are in him. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.